As I've been reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just trying to allow myself to kind of grasp the story in a fresh way, I'll tell you there's been one major thing that has happened in my life in the last few months that has changed the way, the kind of freshness of me coming to the story of the birth of Jesus. And that is the fact that about six, I think my wife told me six months ago today, well, I didn't find out exactly six months ago, but six months ago in some time, I found out that my wife was pregnant with a baby boy. And I'll tell you what, as I've been able to kind of see this progression, I, I shared a couple weeks ago that when I walk into the house, we have this brown table, and Carolina has this little board that says, Baby Job is, and then it says, the size of some type of fruit. So, you know, I'm no master at the, uh, you know, how the baby grows in the womb and everything, but I've been tracking, okay, baby Job is the size of a blueberry. Okay, baby Job is the size of a strawberry. And baby Job is the size of an apple, and I, I don't know exactly what we're at right now. We were at banana the last that I looked at the board, so we are progressing. But as I've come to the story kind of with that fresh eyes of, you know, this is my first child and I'm going to be a father, it really has allowed me as just a person to be able to look at the gospel and the story of Jesus' birth with kind of a new freshness. Because this is so new to me in the process, I, you know, imagine that both for Joseph and Mary, this being Mary's uh, first, you know, child and Joseph's as well, that this was like really a huge moment for them as well. With a lot of things that they, you know, were new to them and they weren't prepared for, and as we dive in, I want you to come with a freshness to this story because this is a story that changed the world. There is no more important person that ever walked the face of the earth than Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. There is no more important person that has ever walked the face of the earth and had a bigger impact upon humanity than Jesus Christ. And not only for the impact that Christianity has made upon the world, that most schools were formed by Christians, most orphanages were formed by Christians, by Christian missionaries that were carrying the light of Christ into every different country because it wasn't just what Jesus or Christianity has done for the impact of humanitarian efforts, it's what Jesus did to make dead people alive. As we jump into the story of Jesus, we're going to jump right into Matthew chapter 1, which is one of the accounts of the birth or the story, part of the story of the birth of Jesus. Join me in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. This was not an uh, interaction or sexual experience that her and Joseph had. They were engaged, but there's really, in, in Jewish times, there was almost like a, 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 a second phase to the engagement period and their engagement here was, was one step further than our engagement that we experience in, in modern times. 
This was uh, one step closer to marriage that in this stage of the relationship, they would actually have to get a divorce to separate. So this was serious. They're invested, committed, together, and we don't know much more about how they connected their love story or all of that going on or how they found one another, but we do find that they are in a relationship and that Mary is pregnant in a supernatural way. Without ever having sex with Joseph or any relationship like that, she has become, uh, she has become pregnant by the power of God. I would say this as well. Most people say, you know, just take it as that because to try to understand and wrap your mind around it, it's kind of like wrapping your mind around the train. How did God do it? How did it go on? It doesn't matter. What we know is that God is a God of miracles. God is a God of power. And if this was the way that God designed the story to be, that there would be a virgin that, not by natural means, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there are so many of us in this room that we didn't even fit. We couldn't believe how we would get out of a circumstance, but it was a miracle and the power of God that opened the door to changing an element of our life. Mary is told by the angel, we account, we pick up here. She knows that she is pregnant. And it says in the, in the next verse, verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. This, you know, oftentimes the, the church, we, we like to focus and highlight Mary and how much of a a godly woman she was, and she was a godly woman. She was favored by God, chosen by God. I mean, imagine being the one that God chooses to carry baby Jesus for nine months. What an honor. One in all of history, and she is chosen. But Joseph as well was a man of God. The word here says that he was a righteous man, and when he found out that she was pregnant, he could have had a lot of reactions. I know that Joseph and Mary are both very righteous and godly people, but let me say this. They were humans, too. They were like me and you. Imagine being in an engaged period, and, and if you're a man, you're engaged to a woman, and imagine that your woman who you love comes to meet you for lunch, and she's pregnant, I don't know. I put myself in this scenario, in this situation, and I don't know. I would have a lot of questions. And the story that she has is like, come on. Wait a minute. I mean, you're Joseph. Think about this. So, Mary, okay, so you just told me you're pregnant. My mind's blown right now. So, explain to me, like, what happened. Well, an angel came to me and told me, that the power of God was going to come upon me and that I was going to get pregnant and I didn't sleep with anybody, but now I'm pregnant. And by the way, the baby that I'm carrying is going to be God. I mean, come on. 
I would have some questions being like, wait a minute, what was this angel's name and where were you and how much were you drinking and what was going on and did somebody give you something in your sandwich? And I would be asking all types of questions because I would wrestle with this fact. This is a, think about this, one moment in history, one time it happens. His faith as a man of God is tested in this moment. He's engaged, loves this woman, wants to move forward with the relationship. But here's this news that makes him go, I, you know what, I think we need to end this. And you know what, he could have did it publicly. He could have embarrassed her, he could have shamed her, he could have disgraced her. And in that time, that would have been enough to really like her life would just have been over. But because he was a man of God... Because he was a man of God, he chose to deal with her with grace and divorce her quietly and privately. What was the type of man that Joseph was? He didn't have any ill will for Mary, even though this story and the circumstance must have been so difficult for him to wrap his mind around, he decided to break it off quietly. And I love that God meets us. Listen to me clearly this morning. God meets us oftentimes in our situation where we're confused, where we don't understand. God meets us at many times pivotal moments in our life where we need God's wisdom. We need God to step in. We need God to change something. And Joseph is planning on breaking off the engagement, a huge changing moment in his life, and God, God meets him. Listen in verse 20. As Joseph considered this, the breaking off from Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The reason that we celebrate Christmas, which is the celebration of the birth of Jesus, is because Jesus was like no other person. Jesus was eternal. Jesus was God. Jesus was in the womb like no other child ever has been or ever will be. See, Jesus' birth is unique because Jesus was like nobody else before him or anybody else after him. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then just in case, you know, this is kind of a... You know, old school gender reveal here. You know, now we shoot off balloons and, you know, kind of shoot things. And there's pink and purple. My, my wife's always showing me all these crazy ways that people are burning down entire forests to just let them know, hey, by the way, it's a girl. <laughs> Houses have been destroyed. Things have been ruined. But we know if it's blue or pink. And the angel says, gender reveal party. Verse 21, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
when my wife and me started talking in the last few months about where the baby was going to be in our small condo, we got two bedrooms, um, she immediately came to me and said, well, hey, Josiah, we've only been in this place for like one year now. And she came to me and she said, well, you know, since we got a baby, uh, looks like we got to find another place because, you know, you have your office there and, you know, kind of out of room. So, and I immediately had a quick response that said, tell me what you want me to throw out. <laughs> I said, just tell me, I will, books gone, desk gone, reading station gone. What do you want me to move out? I said, I'm not ready to move you. I said, tell me what. And she said, okay, if you're willing to give it up, I'm willing to, you know, take over that room. So my current office is just stacks of books by the door, a huge, and I think you call it this, so correct me, bassinet, which is that different than a crib? I'm still trying to figure these things out. But bassinets in there it's in the middle of the room there's baby clothes to the left there's this over here there's a giraffe elephant baby picture ready to get put up I mean I am quickly getting pushed out of the house <laughs> losing my space giving up the little office that I had my little COVID office you all got used to working from home. But as I get all these things out, there's an excitement because I'm making room for somebody else. I'm making room for someone that's going to be so important to my life, that's going to change my life. I'm making room for someone that's yet here, but my life will never be the same once they're here. And Joseph and Mary were making room in their life for somebody that would change their life forever. Not only would they be able to experience Jesus as a son growing up, able to teach him and guide him and point him in the right direction and just, you know, love on him and, you know, cry with him or hug him when he, you know, cuts his knee on the ground. They had an experience that was amazing. But more importantly, they needed to make room in their heart for Jesus to be their Savior. See, what was crazy is that, you know, Mary and Joseph are really respected as, you know, great religious figures, people who love the Lord. But let me tell you this, Joseph and Mary needed a Savior. The little baby that Mary was carrying in her womb would be the Savior that she needed to wash away and cover her sins. The baby that Joseph was now aware of because of the angel in the dream would be the baby that was prophesied for for thousands of years. And that is the baby that's going to be born to the Virgin Mary who he has a relationship with and his life will never be the same. Does your life have room for Jesus in it? Do the rooms of your life have space for Jesus in it? When Jesus entered the world, he wasn't born in a palace, but he was born in a manger because there wasn't enough room in the inn. And Jesus is not just an add-on to our life, but he asks that we deny ourselves and follow him. 
This baby that was being born to Mary was not just a son for her to enjoy, but he was the Savior that the world was waiting for and longing for. Just like the angel said to him, his name will be Jesus and he will save his people, us, from our sins. You know, I think one of the things, I don't think that we should just focus and dwell on the past because, you know, the past is oftentimes a predictor of the future, but our past doesn't define us. Past doesn't define us. And a lot of times I'm telling people, and we see in the Bible, look forward, look to heaven, look to what's next, leave those things behind. But you know what? Sometimes it's important for us as Christians to take a look back and to remember where we were before Jesus. I talk to people all the time, a lot in this recent season, who I call them as their pastor, and they've lost somebody so close to them. And through the phone, and sometimes I cry with them, there's just this heaviness of losing somebody that you cared about so much. And one of the things I ask them to do when the time is ready, because it was something that the Lord placed upon my heart, is I say, hey, I know that you didn't expect this person to go now, but let me tell you this, their life was a gift to you. And I said, when you're ready, if you ever feel like this moment's upon you, I want you to thank God for the life and the memories that you did get to share with them because oftentimes when people are gone is when we realize how much they changed our life and how much they mattered. And as we jump into this season, Christmas is just a few days away about the birth of Christ that brought Jesus into humanity in a way that will never be like that again. Let me say, in that fashion, again, just like that, let me say this, our lives without Jesus, my life without Jesus would be a train wreck. Without Jesus, I'm still dead and lost in my sins. Without Jesus, I'm still in darkness. But because of God's master plan to send Jesus, and you know what? No matter the amount of good things I could do in my life, the amount of money I could give to charity or to people in need, no amount of things I could give to people or resources or money I could raise, no amount of orphanages I could start or homeless shelters I could plant, no matter, there's nothing I could do to earn my salvation. There's no action, there's no deed, there's no goodness, there's no scale because my sins are a heavy weight that there's no amount of good that could ever outbalance that scale. But thanks be to Jesus that he entered into our broken world and lived for 30 years and died after never sinning or doing any action, sinful or wrong. He died on the cross. For us, the angels say he, he will save his people. We are saved because of what Jesus has done. And it adds so much significance to his birth. Verse 22, the angel continues on and says he will save his people from his sins. And then he says this, and this was talked about last Sunday, so I won't go too deep into it, but all of this occurred, all of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And he points to a prophet, Isaiah. This was written over 700 years before Jesus was ever 
born. Listen to what Isaiah says. This is what the angel's quoting, scripture. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. See, on our own, if Jesus never entered into humanity, we would never be able to know. We would never be able to know the light that is his. We would never have the light to illuminate our darkness and show us that we need Jesus as our Savior. Without Jesus ever entering into humanity, our sins would never be paid, and we would have to then pay the price for our sins before a holy, righteous, and just God. But because of Jesus entering into humanity by the will of God Almighty himself, Jesus has made a way. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God knew that he needed to send his son into the world to walk amongst the creation that is us. To do miracles, to point to his divinity. To raise the dead back to life, to show that he was God. And even when they mocked him on the cross and told him to take himself on the cross, he refused. And the enemy had thought that he had won. But the story wasn't over. Because after Jesus was on the cross and he died, three days later he was raised to life. And hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus. And that is the reason, if you're in this room and you call yourself a Christian, that is the reason why you're a Christian. You believe that there was somebody that was raised back to, the, back to life from the dead and that he is the Savior and the light of the world. I preached on this a few weeks ago, but John chapter 1 says, Jesus is the light of all mankind. And in verse 9 it says, the true light that gives light to everyone that was coming into the world. And when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, let me let this sink into your heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. The word that's used in the New Testament for church is ecclesia. It means called out once. We have been called out, brothers and sisters from our darkness, from our sinfulness, from our state of being lost. And if you found and heard the gospel and put your trust and faith in Jesus, I'll tell you what, your life has never been the same. You have been transformed. And it doesn't mean that we've arrived, right? Because we're still growing. I always say, I am still under construction. God has a lot of work to do on me. But I'll tell you what, I am not the same person that I used to be. Because Jesus has so changed my heart and changed so many of your heart that we have found new life in him.